Welcome to the Sicilian Secret Diet Plan Podcast. This podcast is written and presented to you by husband and wife team Dr. Sandra Camerata and Dr. Giovanni Campanile. Sandra is a psychiatrist and was born and raised in Sicily, and Giovanni is a cardiologist. They have written the Sicilian Secret Diet Plan book and podcast in order to introduce a wider audience to the wonderful taste and health benefits of the Sicilian Mediterranean diet, which will lead you onto a path of longevity and improved health span, the reduction of disease in the later part of your life. The goal is to live not only longer, but better with improved vitality and joy of life. Their motto is Be Well Deliciously. Our immune system can fight cancer cells, but they can. And normally, probably, it happens all the time, right? That the majority of people have the beginning of cancers and then killer cells, the T cells, the immune system responds and fights it. Do we have any understanding of why there is that point where the immune system doesn't respond to it anymore? Is it lifestyle factors? Is it genetic? Do we have any understanding of that? That what can we do as humans uh, to help but to prevent possibly some of those tumors from happening. Yeah. So we are understanding more and more, literally, um, you know, every year, uh, what are the factors that all add up to um, a cell that um, begins to become abnormal, that um, turns into a cancer cell. Um, that leads to that cancer proliferating um, in the the patient and then ultimately um, causing problems and becoming an advanced cancer or uh, a meta- metastatic cancer. It's it's very complex. It, it, it involves um, uh, genetic components, uh, including how we're sort of hard, hardwired from birth. It includes genetic components that are altered throughout our life, depending on uh, certain environmental uh, factors or dietary factors. Um, this includes things like tumor suppressor genes that are there to um, protect us from getting cancer uh, that may be quite active when we're first born, but become dampened as we get older uh, through something called epigenetic um, uh, uh, silencing. Uh, and, you know, it's not just the genes that you're born with. It's what are what is the status of those genes, and whether those genes are going to be turned on or turned off can be influenced by things in our environment, um, including by carcinogens, uh, including by you know environmental factors, uh, and including uh, dietary factors and 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 different uh, things that we're exposed to. And what and so this is something uh you know I'm a cardiologist but I'm all you know I I think that our patients are very interested in prevention and the two things you need to prevent are heart disease and cancer and you know what we're talking about I guess is that we're always developing cancer cells and these cancer cells are we have immune surveillance that goes around and finds them and kills them natural killer cells what what are the things that um that we can do or our our listeners or our patients can do to promote that um you know, the specific things that have been studied, you know, we, we know that, um, you know, certain dietary, certain lifestyle ways of living, people live longer, probably because they're avoiding cancer and, and, and avoiding heart disease. But um, what, what is your point of view on that? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot that we don't understand. So there's cancer surveillance that we can do just to say, well, if you have you know, colonoscopies, if you have uh, screening exams, mammograms, um, that you can um, pick up 
at a very early stage cancers that can be surgically um, removed before they become advanced. That's sort of the default that we have to just say, okay, we don't get everything and we can't predict in everyone, you know, uh, who's going to get cancer and when they're going to get cancer. There are some genes that are associated with an extremely high prevalence of uh, cancers that run in families, you know, where there's um, a pedigree of, uh, of uh, tumors that run throughout the family. And we understand uh, a growing number uh, of those genes. And whenever you have a family history, you know, we can check patients to see, uh, do they have a BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene or uh, a mutation in uh, P53, you know, where specific tumors will run in the family. The problem is most people that have cancer don't have any of those known genetic uh, risk factors. Um, and um, more likely what's happening is that there's a very multifactorial um, um, uh, component that tribute, contributes to the cancer, including you know how they're genetically hardwired, how their genes have been influenced by their environment uh, over the years. Um, and you know these environmental factors combined with um, other risk factors, um, like, you know, uh, poor diet, you know, diets that are, um, uh, heavy in, in, you know, fat, uh, meat, um, things like that, um, get, are certainly associated with increased risk of cardiovascular disease, uh, type two diabetes. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so there's a, a strong, you know, dietary influence on cardiovascular risk and on, uh, the risk for, uh, malignancy. Um, and then there's, you know, other factors that we, that we know about, you know, carcinogen smoking, you know, uh, which 50 years ago was just, people were just starting to believe that, you know, Hey, there really is an association between, uh, smoking and lung cancer. And then it went from lung cancer to bladder cancer to kidney cancer. And the list, you know, just grew up to where it's pretty rare, you know, any malignancy that there isn't uh, a risk factor associated with, uh, smoking. Stress, you know, is another factor um, that contributes to um, the risk of cardiovascular disease, the risk of cancer. You know, stress um, leads to the production of uh, cortisol uh, and other hormones that can dampen the immune system, suppress the immune system. Uh, you know, people, when they're under stress, you see sometimes people that they get cold sores, uh, for instance, you know. Uh, and uh, call them uh, fever blisters. Uh, but, you know, that's usually, you know, in the context that something is making uh, somebody's body produce more cortisol. And because they're producing more cortisol, they're dampening the effectiveness of their immune system, uh, their T cells, uh, to suppress viruses that are in our bodies after a prior infection that never go away, that are latent and they come out when the immune system's surveillance is not working uh, optimally. So I think if you think about, well, if you're under stress and your immune system's not working and these viruses can come out and they can cause herpes sores on your mouth and you know these cold sores, the same thing uh, applies to uh, cancer cells that are you know um, tissues that are having uh, errors in um, a repair of the DNA um, or uh, of replication of the DNA where normally the immune system's healthy and functioning and sees it and zaps it uh, under extreme uh, periods of stress where cortisol levels are higher and, and T cells are not functioning. Uh, this is a setup for an environment where um, uh, immune cells can escape, uh, the uh, or tumor cells can escape the immune system and that can begin 
you know, what can ultimately end up being uh, a very advanced malignancy. And now we know that alcohol pollution, um, you know, whatever we eat uh, that has been contaminated um, can also influence a cancer. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the list of, of environmental exposure path pathogens that, you know, increase the risk for um, uh, cancer is growing and growing. Uh, you know, radiation, you know, that was appreciated, um, uh, you know, sort of largely after the uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, with um, uh, Japanese, you know, patients developing uh, malignancies at, at different time points, establishing, you know, a clear-cut risk of that as a um, uh, a risk factor for cancer. Radon, for instance, you know, in homes as a risk factor. Cosmic radiation, uh, you know, is a is a risk factor. Uh, fortunately, you know, cell phones. Uh, cell phones, maybe. Cell phones are controversial. So you know, I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna go there with cell phones. But you know, but radiation. You know, I was an interventional cardiologist, and I and through my career, I've known at least three interventional cardiologists that have had developed aplastic anemia and probably because of their radiation exposure. Yeah. And, and, you know, you shielded yourself when, you know, you were doing your interventional stuff with uh, lead you shield your thyroid, you know, which is right. very susceptible to uh, radiation. Um, aplastic anemia is interesting. It's an autoimmune disease for, from, in most circumstances, um, you know, like lupus or uh, rheumatoid arthritis where the immune system attacks the, the bone marrow. But if you're exposed to, you know, uh, um, a large dose of radiation, you certainly can kill the stem cells. They're very susceptible to radiation. And um, and if you kill enough of them, you shut the bone marrow down and develop uh, aplastic anemia. You know, Chernobyl, that was a big problem um, with uh, people that were exposed to high radiation doses. The first thing that took a big hit was their bone marrow, and they developed aplastic anemia, and and, uh, and that was lethal, and uh, unfortunately, in a, a number of patients. Oh. So one of the things uh, I focus in on in my practice is inflammation. You know, we look at um, a good number of inflammatory markers, and we now have this advanced imaging technology where we can see in people that, in patients that have elevated inflammation, they start developing little pimples on their coronaries, and that turns into inflamed uh, plaque, and that can, you know, that could be the predecessor of a heart attack. How's, how does inflammation uh, affect cancer risk and cancer cells. So, you know, inflammation is, um, has pros and cons, uh, in cancer. Um, so chronic inflammation certainly increases the risk for, uh, a number of, uh, malignancies. Um, so that's clear cut and, you know, uh, irrefutable. Um, so Chronic inflammatory states with, you know, patients that have chronic reflux disease, for instance, can have an increased risk of developing um, esophageal uh, cancer. Um, you know, how do viruses cause cancer? Well, viruses cause, you know, inflammation, and that inflammation can lead cells to um, start to become abnormal and to become precancerous and, and ultimately um, cancerous. So... You know, the link of inflammation with cardiovascular disease, I think, is is still not fully appreciated um, by uh, by the public. Um, but, you know, we, we when I went to medical school, you know, um, we would always screen people for cardiovascular risk and say, okay, male over the age of 55, you know, diabetic, smoker, obese, 
but now we start to ask things about you know inflammatory uh, risks. We look at things like inflammatory markers and C-reactive proteins, you know, as being a, a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And then you know that analogy with other inflammatory states in our body. Um, like psoriasis predisposing to cardiovascular risk is a really radical different way of thinking about, you know, how do you prevent strokes and heart attacks? Um, it, it's more than just, um, you know, getting your cholesterol and your lipid profile uh, optimized um, and uh, stopping smoking. Um, after a while, you know, you start removing those risk factors, but then you start looking at risk factors that you don't traditionally think of like inflammatory um, risk factors. And how do we decrease inflammation? Well, certainly exercise has been shown to decrease inflammation. Um, uh, being on a, a good diet uh, can uh, decrease inflammation. And where we are environmentally, you know, being in an environment where um, uh, you're, you know, not under continuous stress because, you know, stress is associated with inflammation. How we measure inflammation is um, evolving all the time. You know, we used to have a couple little tests we could do. Uh, now there's literally hundreds of different uh, biomarkers that we can measure in the bloodstream um, that reflect inflammatory pathways. So we can, you know, measure cytokines. And, you know, we have all these cytokine levels that um, uh, in, in some cases, it may not just be one cytokine or, or hormone, a hormone, it may be several different cytokines um, with it, you know, machine learning and, and AI, we're going to have a better ability in the near future to to look at all these different variables and add them up and come up with a risk score that will provide insights that go far beyond, you know, what we're able to do now just in terms of, you know, the known risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And then the great thing is, you know, this uh, regulating inflammation to a large degree is under our control. So, you know, there are things that we can do. Uh, to dampen uh, inflammation. You can be in a chronic inflammatory state uh, because you have poor sleep hygiene, uh, for instance, nice. uh, you know, because you're, you're, you know, you're, you don't exercise, uh, your diet's bad, you're in a, a, a stressful environment. Um, so those are things that we can change. And then there's new, you know, and expanding pharmaceutical agents that can be used to target different inflammatory uh, pathways um, and, you know, this interesting observation that drugs that uh, target inflammation in the skin and psoriasis uh, can dampen inflammation in the, um, in the coronary arteries uh, is, you know, really, really uh, important and makes us think, you know, in the future, we may put as much emphasis on inflammation as we do um, with uh, controlling uh, cholesterol to prevent cardiovascular risk. Oh yeah, I mean the the Canto. There was a trial called the Cantos trial where they looked at IL six, and in fact, risk reduction for cardiac disease went down more by reducing IL six than reducing cholesterol. So cholesterol, you know, as you mentioned, you know, we we focus on cholesterol, but cholesterol may just be a byproduct of of other things that are happening in our bodies. If you are new to the show, welcome. And if you are returning, we are so grateful for your participation and support. We hope you go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to the show, leave feedback, write a review, or send questions. They love questions and look at every question that is submitted. The content of the Sicilian Secret Diet are meant for educational purposes only and are not meant to be a medical diagnosis or treatment advice. A doctor-patient relationship is not created, and any questions related to your specific physical or mental health should be directed to your healthcare practitioner.
So hello, and thank you for joining Sandra and Giovanni for another episode of the Sicilian Secret Diet Plan Podcast.